Welcome to Digging Up Ag Podcast. Through sharing research-based information from the University of Kentucky, our goal is to help you successfully enrich your farming enterprise while cultivating knowledge and expertise in agriculture. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone, to the Digging Up Ag Podcast. My name is Adam Huber. I am an agricultural natural resources extension agent in Allen County, Kentucky. And I am joined by my two co-hosts, Kevin Lyons and Adam Esses. Gentlemen, good morning. How are y'all? Good morning. We're doing great. How are you all? Good morning, Mr. Huber. Doing great. Good deal. Good deal. So, funny story, since this is our first podcast, you know, um, we had to, you know, get a practice round in, right? So, <laughs> to, so to all the listeners, that we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and tell on ourselves, you know, the just get this, you know, right out of the gate here. So <laughs> we actually recorded this podcast once this morning already, and uh, we forgot to hit the record button. So we're on round two, or a do over, <laughs> or a mulligan, as Adam says. <laughs> so, we we right. recorded, but we didn't record. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and it says recording at the top of my screen, so it is confirmed we are recording now. That's right. <laughs> but we do appreciate everyone <laughs> joining us on the podcast today. Um, like I said, my name is Adam Huber. We are uh, <clears throat> extension agents with the University of Kentucky, and so um, with our podcast, um, so basically, you know, how this is going to work is we're going to do this podcast uh, as a monthly show, probably a couple times a month. And uh, we basically, you know, we're going to be talking about agriculture topics, everyday life topics, and just kind of whatever comes up in conversation. You know, we're, we're going to be a pretty laid back show. And uh, like I said, we do appreciate everyone listening in. And so I guess to get started, um, we could just kind of introduce ourselves and, and talk about you know, a little bit about our farming background, where we're from, and that kind of thing. So if one of you all want to go first, that'd be awesome. All right. As you mentioned earlier, I'm Adam Estes. I'm the ag agent in Hart County. Uh Grew up in Hart County, lived there my whole life, uh, went to Western, graduated from there in 2007, uh, still live on our family farm. We was uh, up until a few years ago, we used tobacco, hay, and beef cattle. Now we're just beef cattle and hay, uh, sell a little bit commercially. Um, my wife and I have three kids. I've got a 12, 8, and 4-year-old, uh, two boys and a girl. My youngest is a girl. Uh, they keep us very busy uh, between sports and uh, just lots of other activities. Uh, pretty involved in our church and uh, just keeps us on our toes, but it's a good time. Yes, there's, you enjoy those young kids because uh, that's a blessing for sure. But uh, I'm Kevin Lyons. I'm the ag agent here in Monroe County. Uh, this is, uh, I grew up in Monroe County and was blessed to be able to become our extension agent back in 2001. Uh, took a little bit of a, I call it my sabbatical. I went to uh, farm credit as a loan officer from 13 to 17 there in Glasgow. Then I had the opportunity to come back to the same job in my home county in the summer of 17. And uh, feel blessed to be here uh, for sure. Uh, grew up on a dairy farm, a family dairy farm. Um, my father died when at a young age, he was 38, and left my mom there to kind of raise us three young kids, and uh, she made a go of it, so I uh, was able to do that and grew up still on the dairy farm. We milked cattle till uh, 1999, went to, went to Western, came back to farm, thought that's, uh, you know, that would be what I was going to do for the 
rest of my life and I loved it. And then God uh, brings other opportunities your way. And um, so we sold our milking herd in 99. I still got our farm. Uh, we sold a lot of, uh, kept all our heifers and transitioned into custom growing dairy heifers. And then um, opportunity came uh, my way to apply for this job and, and started in February of 2001. So uh, my older brother uh, still manages our farm or what the family farm there with my mom and they're, they've transitioned to, to all grain production. So it's half corn, half beans. And I've got a little farm that I purchased when I was a senior in, in college. Uh, it's got some beef cattle on it. it uh, my cousin uh, has the cattle and I help him uh, with the weeds and the fencing and all those things. So we kind of got a good partnership. I don't have time to manage that all on my own. And he, so it kind of works out good for both of us. Uh, raised some strawberries in a high tunnel. And I've got uh, my wife is Regina. She's retired from Tonkersville Elementary School. As a, she was a secretary there for several years. And I've got two kids. Logan is 30, getting ready to turn 30. He's 31 now. And um, he lives in Lexington. And Mary is 27. And she lives in Louisville. So we've been empty nesters for a while. And uh, uh, kind of looking forward to the next phase of of life hopefully some grandkids and retirements in my future so looking forward to both of those excellent yeah so um <clears throat> like i said my name is adam huber um i'm the the agent in allen county and of course i i originally grew up in metcalf county on a on a farm there we had um, beef cattle and tobacco and and all the all the things there and then um uh moved to cumberland county at a i think in the fifth grade and so there um graduated from Cumberland County High School went to EKU to get my degree in agriculture um we raised horses too um got my degree in ag and then um pretty much started with a seed company and then worked there for for about a year and a half and then got into extension here and so um you know my wife and I we live we live still live in Cumberland County um, we raise mums and pumpkins, so we're kind of on that kind of, a uh, uh, farming, uh, operation. My wife's family, uh, she was raised on the farm as well, beef cattle, uh, farm there in Cumberland County. We live on the farm there, so we still help with, with all that operation as well. And, um, like I say, we, we're <clears throat> trying to, you know, get our own, our own stuff going. Um, like I say, with the mums and pumpkins, we raise a thousand mums uh acre of pumpkins and we kind of do the retail side you know on farm sales of mums and pumpkins and, and we re really enjoy it my wife is a pharmacist uh she works in albany and so we're uh definitely both blessed for sure and uh we're actually expecting our first little one in december so we're very excited about that so you know kind of uh surreal already you know starting a family and and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and so yeah it's uh Things, Time is definitely flying. <laughs> things will look a little bit different after December. That's right. They're, they're already starting to look a little bit. We've already got baby stuff in the house kind of scattered everywhere. And it's, you know, a, a certain room in the house is transforming into a baby room. And so it's, you know, one of those things. That's <laughs> so right. Definitely excited, though. Enjoy the ride. You're in an exciting time. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Uh, you know, we're, we're here to talk about some ag stuff, obviously. Um, and 
of course, our Kentucky State Fair just ended uh, yesterday. Yesterday was the, the the last day of the Kentucky State Fair. And, of course, here in Kentucky, our uh, our extension personnel play a big role in our Kentucky State Fair, along with the Kentucky Department of Agriculture and various, you know, ag commodity groups, you know, throughout the state and, and so on. Pretty much, you know, everybody involved in agriculture in Kentucky, you know, helps out with um, the State Fair. Farm Bureau is a big one as well. And so um, – I didn't get the chance to go to the state fair this year because our uh, national ag agents association meeting was in Iowa this year during the same time as our state fair, uh, which there, the Iowa state fair, uh, I'm sure everybody may have already heard is like one of the largest ones in the United States. And uh, that's no lie. <laughs> so <laughs> we went to their state fair and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, great time. And I would definitely recommend, you know, if anybody gets a chance and they're in Iowa to, uh, to go there and check that out but we're not in Iowa we want to talk about Arkansas <laughs> so I know you all got to go um so what what are your thoughts about the state fair this year so uh my assignment this year was the dairy show I worked the junior dairy show uh, last year I worked Cloverville this is on my only my second year in extension but uh, so last year my assignment was uh I believe I checked in wood science at Cloverville last year and uh nothing wrong with working Cloverville but uh, <laughs> I used to show dairy cattle uh so getting the getting to work the dairy show was was pretty cool for me you got to see a lot of people I used to show with uh, and their kids quite frankly <laughs> I right. thinking about that I met that several years ago so I yep. could see uh, people I show with and their children but uh yeah I had a good time I appreciate that I stayed there I was there Wednesday through Saturday night I did work the open show a little bit Saturday uh, could have worked Sunday, but I had a commitment at church the following day that I had to be at. So, uh, come on home Saturday night. Absolutely, that 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 should be your priority very much. Uh, yeah, um, I've worked at uh, the the youth dairy shows have been my assignment uh, since the early two thousands. I think I uh, missed that first year that I worked going up there, but I got drafted the next year and I've been there ever since. So it's kind of like the like the mafia. Once you're in, you're in. You don't get out. But uh, <laughs> no, it's a good assignment. Uh, Cloverville is, is, of course, the 4-H exhibits and everything. And they're kind of in their own little uh, world as far as the differences in the livestock shows and what you have to do at Cloverville because they're, they're both of them are very detailed. But it seems like if you're from an ag background – and working with dairy cattle is just kind of a natural fit. So I've done takedown in Cloverville, which is uh, taking down all the stuff on Sunday night when the when the show was over. Um, and that was that was not a lot of fun. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> it does, <laughs> that's I a said, late night. I've done that as well. <laughs> that's right. When I I came I came back. Uh, I think I worked the dairy show and the takedown. One year they was needing somebody for takedown. Nobody volunteered much, so I, I told uh, our boss at the time that I'd, I'd do it, and he was he was struggling to find volunteer. Uh, and I learned quickly why nobody really wants to volunteer for that job because you start uh, uh, about midnight and uh, and work work till about dawn to to get it all down, and people then come and pick up all the stuff on that Monday morning. So. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a little bit of a different situation, but everybody probably needs to take their turn at at least once just so they appreciate not having to do it. So um, kind of a kind of a different thing. But yeah, I've been on the dairy show team uh, probably 
close to 20 years. Uh, enjoyed it. Uh, as like uh, Esther said, um, I'm getting now where when I started these kids that were showing, now it's their kids showing. It's been that long. So, uh, man, you're getting old. I, I've, I've been old all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm 59. I'm, I'm pushing, uh, getting, looking down the road to, for the next chapter and probably got about another year left in me here at the extension office, but it does make you realize you, I heard a lot of 4-H agents say that same thing where when they started, the kids that they had in the 4-Hers are now the parents and they got, they're on that second generation. So it does it, uh, but I'm just blessed and thankful. I'm still having birthdays. So it's all good. Absolutely. You, yeah, absolutely. you mentioned that uh, on the dairy show team, if you're in, you're in. Uh, so that's one thing Stone told me when I got ready to leave uh, Friday afternoon, I guess it was, I'll leave the fairgrounds. He mm -hmm. said, uh, he said, just go ahead and pencil these dates in for the rest of your career. Yeah. <laughs> right. there, there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> yeah. You can only, you can only pretend like you have COVID so many times and get out of that. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And, and earlier we were talking about the first time that we did the podcast, we're talking about dairy breeds. And as far as, you know, now, um, we're kind of seeing that the hosting, like like historically, the hosting breed has been, you know, the the most popular breed there at the shows. And then uh, you all had mentioned that this year, and even you know, probably a couple of years back, you kind of started seeing this transition of uh, less hosting cattle and more other breeds, like you know, brown Swiss, Guernseys, and Irishires, and red and whites, and that kind of thing. So. Did as far as that goes, like this year, you all said that it was kind of the the similar thing, right? So less Holsteins, and then more other breeds. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could walk through the West Wing there, and I mean, I remember when I was showing, it's predominantly Holsteins, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was looking at some numbers that a guy sent me and uh, comparing. Well, it doesn't come to two thousand twenty three, but it's last year two thousand twenty two from 2022 back to 2016 hostings are half uh as far as the amount of entries at the state fair um jerseys were down a little bit guernseys were down but everything else ashires and, and I, I mentioned earlier the milk and shorthorns i worked the milk and shorthorn sale saturday or show saturday and i think there was 50 some head on the sheet and i told you i didn't know there was that many head of milk and shorthorns in the state right. <laughs> yeah right yeah but a few years ago they weren't uh, <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, it's it's different. Uh, definitely changing over over the years I've been there, and, and it kind of lines up with what you see reported in uh, different uh, publications and just the numbers. You know, uh, wasn't all that long ago, Holsteins I think made up like ninety percent of the milking herds in in the country, and Jerseys were basically the rest. And you didn't have a lot of uh, red and whites and brown Swiss and Guernseys at, at these shows. Uh, but the shows kind of they're kind of unique. Uh, even though it's a youth show, a lot of those animals will also show in the open show that weekend. Um, but in the youth show, they're supposed to own the animal, take care of the animals, all those things as part of their project, either 4-H or FFA. But sometimes in reality, there's a lot of kids that do that, uh, and it's their cow and their, and their project. But sometimes it's also the open show exhibit, too, and that's the purebred 
business uh, side of things. So there's uh, the stakes are higher, the competition's a little tighter in that open show. Uh, but I think that's where a lot of the change to these different breeds in these open shows and livestock shows and dairy in particular have come because there's some opportunity there that wouldn't necessarily always be taken advantage of. And like the milk and shorthorns and, and the Guernseys and Brown Swiss, I think a lot of the reason why those numbers have increased is, is just the economics of the purebred business and folks wanting to diversify their, their herds a little bit and be able to sell some different types of seed stock and things like that. So definitely changing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, I went to EKU for, for college for my undergrad and of course they have a dairy there. And so whenever I, I was there, I graduated in 2015 from EKU and <clears throat> I worked at the farm. I worked different sectors of the farm, um, which at EKU, you're required to take on farm classes. Um, so I obviously did that, but I actually was fortunate enough to actually get to be employed at the university farm. And so I got to work, you know, weekly, you know, on all aspects of the farm, whether that was the beef unit, the dairy, the swine, whatever. And so my second part of the, uh, of my last year, I worked strictly at the dairy. And so whenever I was there, they, we had probably maybe five to eight Brown Swiss and the rest of them were Holsteins mm -hmm. and they've got a, at, back at that point, they had like 65 head. Uh, I don't know if the numbers have changed much since then or not, but you know, but now if you go to e EKU, they have more Brown Swiss than they do. Um, I don't know if they have more Brown Swiss numbers than Holstein, but the Brown Swiss um, breed has increased and the Holstein breed has decreased on the farm. So, you know, like I said, it was 90 some percent Holstein at that time. And it's probably, I would say I haven't been there in a while, but I keep up with them uh, on, on social media and I still know the the managers and that kind of stuff. But I would say at least 50% is, is uh, Brown Swiss now. So I think it's really intriguing and interesting that, uh, you know, over as time changes, you know, breeds, you know, change and increase and decrease, you know, uh, mm -hmm. whichever one it is. I think it's interesting the way that dairymen, you know, kind of make changes throughout um, their careers for sure. Yep. It's it's definitely a business. And, uh, uh, we, you know, sometimes we think of agriculture and farming as uh, we don't necessarily, if you're not involved in it, you may not necessarily think of it in business terms, but it is, it's uh, definitely a business and has to be treated like one. And I think a lot of that is just kind of the economics of different things. Uh, you know, jerseys used to be really popular because their butterfat was so high and they wanted uh, that high butterfat content. Well, the healthy lifestyles and all that kind of changed that. So they're not hardly as predominant as they used to be. Uh, they wanted smaller cattle, more efficient cattle. So the Holsteins were, were you know, much larger and they they've kind of taken a hit on as far as their numbers and then you know you you see uh front you know if there's a need somebody's going to step in and fill that need and try to make some money at it so i i think that's a big push in why you're seeing different breeds come on so one thing i noticed uh kevin you were talking about uh family involvement and the kids working with the show cattle and stuff uh uh, it's pretty neat to walk around and see those kids clipping and, and working in the stalls, getting cattle bedded in and stuff. And uh, a couple things I noticed was compared to when I was showing cattle, uh, 
the differences in the setups. You know, people put a lot of thought, uh, and like we said, it's they're basically advertising their farm. But uh, also found it neat to see the amount of crock pots and microwaves and stuff set up. Uh, they're actually, I mean, they're fixing full fledged meals up there. Uh, we we always took a tent to sleep in and, and cooler drinks and some sandwich meat and stuff. But I know I had friends that showed beef cattle and it blew my mind that they got to take cattle to tie outs of the night and went to a hotel room. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, difference between camping in a tent and camping in an RV, right? That's <laughs> right. Really That's what they call it, glamping. Yeah. Glamping. Well, right. I'm just glamping. I, yeah. I'd be more on the glamping side, but I'd feel like the, the camping side is more uh, probably adventurous and fun. But yeah, right, right. Those folks that come in for those livestock shows and dairy shows, they they've got a whole team effort going on. So you kind of you got to admire the the effort and the work that goes into all those things. Yeah, absolutely. The friendships that are made up there is pretty cool too. You know, absolutely. People from all over the state. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, for for some kids, you know, whether if they're not involved in sports and they are involved in, you know, livestock showing, it's basically the same thing for them. You know, they get to meet, you know, make you know lifelong friends. They get to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, different uh, things that are going to help them throughout life. You know. so it's always good good for for kids to be involved in something whether it's sports livestock showing you know archery in the schools or whatever you know it's always good to see those kids being involved in something because you know and i think farm kids are the best kids because they learn respect hard work and and all the all the things you know that are going to eventually help them in life you know so yeah yes, definitely for sure. kudos to those those parents that are raising raising their kids on the farm yeah, it's it's a definitely a good way of life and a good way to to raise a family if you can. And even for uh, kids that don't live on a farm, they can still be involved in agriculture and 4-H and FFA and you know a placement program or something like that, agribusiness. So uh, definitely think it's a, a topic that uh, is on everybody's mind. Seems like is our youth and some of the struggles they're going through and looking for a little direction, that kind of thing. And I think uh, that, that farm way of life answers a lot of those, has, is the answer to a lot of things that our kids are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, FFA um, and, and, and farm kids. Like and like I said, you don't, you don't have to live on a farm to be involved in 4-H or FFA. You know, there was plenty of kids, uh, you know, in, in my ag classes in, in high school that weren't, you know, didn't, never stepped foot on a farm really mm-hmm. um but it's not it's not about farming uh really those classes are it's about like i said learning life skills mm-hmm. really right. you know whether that's doing speaking contests you know working as a team you know like you know a judging team or whatever mm-hmm. um you know a lot of those kids <clears throat> otherwise wouldn't learn those skill sets needed you know so there's lots lots to be said for 4-h ffa all those classes um i wasn't as involved in 4-h in high school um i was part of the 4-h club but i was mostly involved in ffa and you know if it wasn't for the that organization like i don't know that i would be sitting in this chair right here right now um you know and uh, even like ag teachers um you know there's a lot of kids that don't you know have like a dad or a you know a good parenting at home mm-hmm. and so a lot of times those teachers especially like my ag teacher for sure um there were some some students that you know that I went to school with that 
or as I'd mentioned, didn't have a good home life or whatever. And and those teachers, you know, are kind of that person to them. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, we had banquets every year that uh, are, you know, our, our, our uh, FFA banquet every year. And so some of those kids at that point, especially the seniors, they would kind of get up and talk about, you know, their memories of FFA and the trips and all things. But at some, you know, sometimes it was kind of emotional because, you know, they were like, you know, this is, this teacher is like a dad to me or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just really cool to kind of see, you know, the relationships that you make through these organizations and that kind of thing. Yeah. I I know, uh, um, uh, Growing up, I mean, I, I'm like you, Adam. I was, I was involved in FFA, probably not as much as I should have been. You asked Miss Miss Amy Olt or, or Sean Murray, that was my ag teachers. That I know they said they wished I would, uh, they could have talked me into doing more, but I was pretty shy, backward. I uh, didn't want to get up and do a lot of speaking. Uh, but, uh, but I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but we were talking about uh, FFA and ag in high school, and it's amazing going along what you said a minute ago, it's amazing the relationships you build with those people because I ran into Miss Miss Old at the State Fair, got to talk with her for a while. Um, but Mr. Murray, my ag teacher in high school, I still talk to him quite a bit and probably respect him as much much or more now as I did then. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank a lot of them. Uh, you spend a lot of time with them. But, you know, Lori, my wife, Kevin is from your county here, and she talks about everything that she done for H growing up. And yeah. I mean, she, whenever she was in the, uh, I may be using the wrong term, but a 4-H exchange program, maybe she went to a couple of different places and, and visited with some kids in another part of the country. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, they come back here with her and I uh, just hearing stuff like that, getting to experience different things. is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. For, for our youth, uh, as part of extension, you know, ag family consumer sciences, youth development, the 4-H program, uh, I think is a great uh, example of something that can be offered to everybody. And uh, there's all kinds of different clubs. There's different events. There's different uh, activities. Uh, I think the biggest thing that in my mind that kids will bring out of that. Um, and when, when you see some things in uh, the print media and that type of thing, kids are scared to death to get up and speak in front of a group. And I think if you can get them in 4-H and push them toward the communications and just start start them slow, but let them develop that communication skill, that's going to be our future leaders. They're going to need that skill no matter what they do in life. And um, I think that's just a great one example of, of what, you know, what we offer for kids. Uh, but in the big picture, it's those lifelong relationships and i i grew up as a 4-h kid and a ffa kid 4-h we did everything just like you said Lori. we we were really involved our, our whole family and it's just a just a great opportunity for kids to learn and have fun and and make lifelong friends adam you mentioned too about not having to be from a farming background to be a part of one of these organizations and it's funny you said that because uh, back in the last year, I spoke with an with an ag teacher in another county close by, and this is what I consider to be a really heavily, a really big farming county. And I asked him, I said, "What percentage of the kids do you have in class that are actually farm kids?" And it blew my mind what he told me. I mean, it was a very very small amount that truly come from the farm. 
uh, that you right. know most of them were just you know the kids weren't they they didn't come from a farm so I thought that's mm-hmm. pretty neat because that it really blew my mind it's it back when I was in high school it seemed very different than that but yeah you would think in small counties small rural counties like mm-hmm. like ours that uh, kids would have a connection to the farm but that's just not the case anymore and most of them. Uh, are not a lot of them don't have any idea really where their food comes from till they get up old enough to kind of learn uh, so it's a constant uh, constant job of educating uh, folks on where their food comes from the importance of agriculture uh, but most kids are not are not from a farm anymore and that kind of goes with our country uh, but Less than two percent of the population is actually involved in production agriculture in the United States, and I think you're starting to see that even in our small counties. They're just uh, we're getting one or two generations removed from from kids being able to go to grandma and grandpa's farm, that kind of thing. Uh, so we really want to stress the importance of ag to our young people for sure. I don't know what you all are seeing in our in your counties, but I know that uh, as far as Hart County goes. You know, we're probably going to be seeing some major changes in the next few years just because of our in- industry that's coming into our north, Hardin County, and then even to our south in Warren County. Uh, I think you're going to see stuff drastically changing. Yep. Nothing stays the same forever, constantly changing. Yeah, absolutely. Can you also hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, it, it's our really our – you know, you talk about less than 2%, you know, come from the farm and even in our small counties, you know, um, the, you know, the, the generations are getting further away from the farm and that's where our role and our jobs as ex- extension personnel really comes to play as far as like, like I said, you know, getting education to those folks. I think, is it this week that we're doing the farm safety day at, yep. here in yep. Monroe County? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, just going and, and getting those kids involved and teaching them, you know, like I say, where their kid, where their food comes from and, and that kind of thing is definitely, you know, important um, in our roles as professionals to, to kind of get, you know, uh, get that education out there into the hands of those folks. And, it, and it's not even really not, I mean, even adults nowadays they're still in the, you know, the kind of the same way. Some of the, some adults don't even know where their food comes from. So, you know, that's why it's really vitally important that we, you know, uh, continue to, to kind of, um, you know, educate and, and get folks kind of involved, you know, yep. ag stuff. So absolutely, I think, I think it's important how that we uh, emphasize the hard work that goes into it too, because I mean, I don't know about you, but some kids, I feel like, look at farming and they see the big green tractor driving up the road or the combine out in the field. They think it's just a big glamorous thing. And uh, it's rewarding, but it's hard work. And I don't know that people really, I don't know that some kids really realize that. And this might be tough to say, but I think that's why we're getting less and less folks that want to live on a farm or work on a farm. The labor shortages on farms is just astounding. And it goes right along with, uh, other industries you just uh, no matter what it pays or no matter uh, what you're doing it's hard to hard to find that labor force right now so that's that's definitely a a good aspect to, to emphasize is yeah it's hard work but it's very rewarding work yeah absolutely mm-hmm. well it looks like we're coming to the end of our our time here today 
Um, any closing thoughts from you, gentlemen? I think we've had a pretty good first uh, first podcast. We we do appreciate uh, all of our our folks that are, are, have listened for the first time, and we we hope that you uh, continue to follow us and listen to our podcast. And um, uh, so, like I said, we plan to do this every month, hopefully twice a month. Um, you can follow us here on our podcast, and um, we'll. we'll try to get some good information out to you. We'll kind of talk about up-to-date uh, topics, you know, kind of what what's going on in our counties and in extension in general. And like I said, you know, just kind of everyday stuff that we've got going on uh, on our personal uh, farming operations and that kind of thing. Um, but like I said, you know, we do appreciate everyone listening in. Do y'all have anything else before we sign off? I've enjoyed it. Looking forward to it. Same here. Sounds good. Well, like I said, we appreciate everyone listening in and y'all tune in again next time. Thank you for listening to today's show of Digging Up Ag. We hope you join us back next time as we discuss various agriculture topics. Until then, please write a review and subscribe to our show on the podcast platform of your choice. We'll see you next time.